Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm David Greenstein. We're studying Tractate Ketubot, Kuf Vav Amud Aleph, Ba'amud Bet, 106A and B. This page begins with a continuation of a story that is found on 105B, which I'd like to consider. It's a continuation of the discussion that we looked at last time with regard to the prohibition of giving and taking bribes and the terrible effects that bribery can have on corrupting judgment. The story is told of Rav Anan, who was approached by an individual uh, with a basket of fish as a gift. And the person says, I want to give you this gift, and I want to ask you to please be a judge in a case of mine. Rav Anan properly says, no, I can't do that. can't accept the gift, and I cannot uh, be your judge, because now I have been compromised by your offer of bribery. But the person is not turned away, and he says, no, 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 you misunderstand. It's not that I really need you to be the judge. I want to give you this gift because it is so uh, meritorious to give a gift to a scholar such as yourself. It's equivalent to giving Bikurim, to bringing Bikurim to the temple, and for it the Bikurim, the first fruits, to be accepted by God at the temple. And of course, they were handed over to the priest. We see here a subtle uh, reference again to the relationship, the troubled relationship between the sages and the priests. Here cutting the other way where we have a sage whose head is turned by being compared to the temple and the priest receiving first fruits. Rav Anan is flattered by this gesture and says, look, I really still can't be your judge, but since you're such a pious person and you have such good values, I'm going to take your gift. Far be it from me to prevent you from giving a gift to a sage. And he then proceeds to send a note with this man to go to his colleague, Rav Nachman, and for Rav Nachman to be the judge. And the note says, please, Rav Nachman, hear the case of this individual. I, Anan, am disqualified from judging him. So Rav Nachman receives the note, and just at that moment, there was another case right before him to be up next on the docket, and that case was a case involving orphans. Nevertheless, and here we finally get to 106a, Rav Nachman decides that he should postpone the case of the orphans because while it is a mitzvah to do justice for them, it is also a mitzvah to pay honor to a sage, uh, to pay honor to the Torah, and paying honor to the Torah is the supreme value. Since Rav Anan has asked him to do this favor for him, he will do so. And he understands that Rav Anan has been disqualified from judging the case because the litigant must be a relative of Rav Anan, 
it doesn't occur to Rav Nachman that perhaps he was disqualified because of the problem of bribery taking. And so he accepts this case uh, first. And the Talmud then tells us that when the other litigant saw Rav Nachman being so solicitous for this individual who had given the gift to Rav Anan before, he himself was incapable of opening his mouth and pleading his case properly, and he lost his case. That's the end of the story. And we have here a subtle and understated but very, very strong condemnation of the deleterious, insidious effects of bribery on the judgment of the sages, the judgment of Rav Anan and the judgment of Rav Nachman. Each uh, have been mistaken and misled, making assumptions or making pronouncements that were really improper, all because of a basket of fish. I want to suggest that, first of all, the basket of fish plays a little bit of a role as an allusion to the problem of bribery itself, because bribery is understood by the Torah as being bad, because ki aver pikrim. It will blind the eyes of those whose eyes are open. And fish were understood by the Talmud, of course, as creatures whose eyes were always open. So on the one hand, these sages are supposed to be pikrim. They're supposed to be wise and shrewd and understanding. And nevertheless, in another version of the verse, in Deuteronomy, the word instead of pikrim is chachamim, wise ones. Nevertheless, their eyesight and their judgment has been clouded by this basket of fish, by this unctuous gesture on the part of the man with the gift. The end of the story tells us that the other party in the judgment was not able to open his mouth. And this, of course, is also an allusion to what the Torah says is the problem with shochat. It will corrupt the words of the righteous. Who are the righteous? The righteous can be understood, of course, to be the judges themselves. The judges should be righteous, they should be fair, they should be pursuing justice at all costs. And in both of these cases, the note that Rav Anan sent and the considerations that Rav Nachman made were corrupted because of this bribe. But it also resulted in the inability of one of the litigants to properly plead their cause. Their words, words of the righteousness, were corrupted and even stopped up completely. Many people read the story to mean that had they been able to plead their cause, they would have won the case. And it was through this shrewd manipulation of the system that the man with the basket of fish won a case unjustly. It's not necessarily so, though. It may very well be that in the end, he would have won the case. And all of the arguments that his litigants on the other side would have given would have been judged to be inadequate or incorrect. But what the Talmud is telling us is something more profound. 
even if in the end the argument that they would have offered would have been a losing argument, they needed to be able to make the argument as best as they could. And the gift of the bribery stopped up their right to argue. And this was also a corruption of the system. Our page continues with considering various other elements that were connected to the upkeep and the support of the judicial system. It tells us, interestingly, again, that the temple was a source of funding for the sages. Once more we have the question of the relationship between the old temple system and the relatively newer system of supporting sages. And we're told that the sages, Tamidei Chachamim, would get their salaries from the office of the temple, and also those who would read and correct the texts of the Torah scrolls would receive their support from the temple. And the commentators here are again divided. Which Torah scrolls are we talking about? Are we really talking about Torah scrolls that have no connection to the temple whatsoever? How could we justify using holy monies, sacred contributions that were earmarked for temple upkeep, how could we justify using those monies for a completely different, unrelated cause, no matter how worthy? And so some people suggest that, no, these were temple-owned Torah scrolls that were required, that were needed in the temple. We know, for instance, that on Yom Kippur, the priest would read from the Torah scroll uh, to the public. However, other people say no. Reading from any Torah scroll, anywhere, by anyone, is a sacred task, a mitzvah, maintaining Torah scrolls, maintaining the integrity of the transmitted Torah text, is so sacred that it must be supported from funds that are earmarked for the upkeep of the temple. Of course, one of the original functions of the temple was to house the original text of the Torah itself. Where? In the Holy of Holies, of course. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.